Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Jonah, the fourth chapter, and beginning with the first verse. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and repentance of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, I beseech thee, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Lord, help us to understand what you're trying to tell us about a way to live today. A miserable saint. And that third verse, the free translation of it, the latter part of it could well be that I am either disgusted enough to die or I'm miserable enough to die. Not too long ago, talking to some young men, and one was telling about the troubles and difficulties that he was involved in. It seems that he had lent his car out, and his friend had wrecked his car, and it was tied up in the shop, and it was going to be there for a week or so. And during this period of time, it seems that his girlfriend, knowing that he was without wheels, had found the young man that was better suited to her liking, And so she had taken up with him, and so he loses his girlfriend, too, that he was greatly distressed about. And he was lamenting the fact to these other two friends of his, and he said, I think I'll just quit my job. And one of them spoke up and said, well, now that's the smart thing to do. That's a real smart thing to do. You quit your job. And when you do quit your job, you tell your boss that you have a friend that's available to take up where you left off. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were so emotionally mature that these things that happen to us in life, that we would be able to handle them without any difficulty and and handle them with a major maturity and go on about our business? Well, most of the times we do. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we did that spiritually? Most of the times we goof it. Here is fair in our situation today within this mad, crazy, mixed up, frustrated world of ours that I think that we need to give some real clear consideration and come up with some real clear decisions on the way that we should live today. Well, Jonah had his friends too, you know. Uh, But these friends of his, you remember when he was taking that boat ride trying to get away from the Lord, the friends decided the best thing for them to do was throw him overboard and get rid of him. And you know, sometimes within the church, I think that we have about that kind of approach to one another. And I think... And that is sort of tragic when we come to the place, we see this is the only way that we can handle one another and handle the situation uh, that we might be 
and at that time. Now Jonah, in all probability, was one of the most miserable saints that ever lived. He was miserable. I think that's one reason why they canonized this part of the Old Testament, is for this to speak to our heart and our soul. Now, when I think about Jonah, I think about a man that's subject to lack passions as you and I are today. You know it said of Jesus within the scripture that he was subject to like passions as we are today, and he sinned not. Well, I can say of Jonah that he was a man of like passion as we are today, and he sinned everywhere, every place that he possibly could. And so there's a real difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and Jonah. Now, when I consider the life of Jonah, I still feel there's some hope and help for me. Now, listen to what this man had. Now, the three of the greatest things that you need in order to be able to be happy and to be able to express your life completely and totally, this man had. So why was he so miserable? Now listen to this. Now we know that Jonah was a prophet. Now he knew that he was a prophet, you see. And he knew that God knew that he was a prophet. How could he forget that God knew that he was a prophet, you see? So he knew that he was a prophet and God knew that he was a prophet. He knew, and what I'm really saying is that he knew that he was part of the kingdom of God. Now that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what the scripture is trying to tell us. Now, most of us here this morning, uh, we're in a position where we know, because we believe in Christ and we trust him, we know that we're part of God's kingdom. Now, we know that. Secondly, no time does Jonah ever doubt the existence of God. You don't find that within this short book. You see four chapters, and you get the feeling that Jonah was aware of the fact that God was alive and well. I think the only problem with Jonah was that he knew God uh, was too well and too much alive, you see. Now, he didn't have any doubt about the existence of God. Maybe we sort of kind of miss it here because sometimes when these frustrations come to us, these difficulties and hardships, the first thing we do, we begin to doubt the existence of God. Well, now, folks, don't you worry your pretty head about the situation. I want to tell you that the situation around you doesn't necessarily say there is or is not a God. But those of us who claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can look at most situations and know that there is a God, you see. But Jonah never had a problem here. Now, he knew that God was alive and was well and was dealing with him. Now, thirdly, notice this. There's no time or place in the ear where that old Jonah was in, his soul was in question. Not his soul. Now, he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do, but he never doubted that his soul was in jeopardy. Now, he did have some concern about his life, and rightly so, but I want you to notice on the part of Jonah, he may have been concerned about his life when the swell swallowed him up, but notice what the override you give within the scripture in this book, that there's no danger in the mind of God. Now, you see, the book makes it very precise. Who is at all times in charge of Jonah's life? Was it Jonah? No. Was it God? Yes. The same is true with you and me today. And I want to tell you something, dear friend. Oh, my. Uh, what a revelation it is and what a beautiful one when you come to the place to know that your life is in the hand of a living God. Now, you don't have to feel like it. That doesn't change it one whit. It doesn't make any difference how you feel, you see. It's not a matter of feeling. I'm sure that Jonah felt miserable inside that whale. I'm just sure he did, more miserable than we could ever possibly imagine. But you notice the situation, his life even there was in the hand of a living God. Now, we know these three things. Now, what else does a person need? 
in order to really to have life and have it abundantly. Well, now let's look at this situation. Jonah was in good health. He was healthy. Oh, my. You know, we never really miss good health until it is limited or it's been taken from us. And what a cold, hard reality it is. When you come to the place and you're going 90 miles an hour and all of a sudden you come to an immediate halt because of your health. What God has given to us when he has given to us good health. Now, another thing Jonah had and God had given to him, God had blessed him in such a way that he had means of travel. He had the money to travel with. While he was on a trip, you know, when the Lord overtook him. And he was just enjoying life. He thought he could run away from God, and, and he was enjoying life on his ship, seemingly. In fact, he was enjoying it so well that he was asleep aboard, was he not? And so he was just taking this Caribbean cruise and just enjoying it immensely, you see. He had money. The third thing he had, he really knew that he not only had a God, but read the last part of that third verse. It's amazing what this man knew about God. Now listen. And Jonah is speaking, he says, I know that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and I love this, and abounding in steadfast love. You see, this man knew something. Now, he had his health, he had the means of travel, he had money, and he knew God to be a God of great compassion and a God of great love. Now, folks, what? more do you need to be happy if you have those three things what more do you need to keep you from coming to a place where you're frustrated and where you're so bewildered as jonah was of long ago where you can actually say to the lord or think in your own heart and mind it'd be just as well lord for you to call me on home you know three things that we need jonah had all three of them and he knew that he had them but he was the most miserable saint that has ever lived upon the face of this earth so far as I know now what are we where are we what decision are we making you see it's a decision that Jonah was prompted to make that led his life to be as miserable as it really was here's where he made his mistake in the first place he thought he could outrun God he thought he could escape God he thought he could do things that God would not know that he was doing and would not be able to catch up with him. Now, folks, we don't really think within our heart and our soul that we can take a boat trip and get away from God. No, we just figure that we do not have to do what he's called us to do, and so therefore we have escaped God. But you don't escape God that way. You cannot escape God. It can't be. I was talking to a man here a year ago at conference. I remember this man because he was in the first church that I was privileged to be the minister of, and he was on the Fisher family church, and I could always count on him to object to anything or everything. He was born in the objective case. <laughs> anything that the board voted on that had a majority vote, you could rest assured he was always going to be a minority. He would vote against it, whatever it was. I don't care what it was. I think if we were voting to go to Fort Knox to pick up a bar go that the country had given to us, that as the majority voted in favor of it, he would have said, no, we just don't need to go. Well, now I'm telling this story to tell you this, that one year ago, that man was at a conference, 
He doesn't live here in the city anymore. He's moved back down to his home down in the state. And he says, Don, he says, I want to tell you something. And he says, I'm 65 years of age. And he says, now I have just realized that I've been running from God all of my life. I have been running from God. He says, you know, when I was much younger, I felt that God called me to be a minister. He says, I rejected it. And I realized that I have spent 65 years or the greater part of my mature life, I have spent it running from God. And I want you to know that this man was in the church every Sunday and held his responsibility in the church outside of being the negative. And this, he, was, he was right there. Now this is what he said, not what the preacher said. I have spent the greater part of my mature years running from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly the spirit in which will make one miserable. Exactly. If you wanted to be miserable, I would say that's precisely what you do. This man never had a spirit of forgiveness. Poor old Jonah, he never had a spirit of forgiveness. He didn't want to associate with these characters. He didn't want to associate with these Ninevites. He didn't want to be with them. He didn't want to have anything to do with them. He didn't want to have anything to do with those people outside of the church, so to speak. He didn't want to have anything to do with those people outside of his circle. He didn't want to have anything to do with them. I have no responsibility for them. I have nothing to give to them. I don't want to give them anything. I want to leave them alone. I want them to leave me alone. And I want to go on about my business the way that I have been over these years. Now, that's the spirit of Jonah. And then you wonder why he was so miserable. You wonder why we come to the day and where we become so frustrated as a church. Well, I'll tell you what, let any church, I don't care what church, how good it is, how big it is, how great it is, and let it cut off its outreach. Let it just sever its outreach. And I want to tell you, unless it restores that outreach and gets on with the business of trying to reach out and get people who are unchurched, I want to tell you that that church is going to come to the place where it's going to be one of the most miserable churches that you've ever been a part of, period. There's a law that governs that just like it governs this universe of ours in which you and I try to live in. And you see, this was the problem of old Jonah. He could never accept God's love for another human being. He could never accept it. Why should he sacrifice for these Ninevites? Well, they were a different group, different tribe, different nation. Why should I sacrifice for those characters? Why should I go down there? Why should I give up this? Why should I do that? Now, folks, you can do wonderful thing and good thing for people, and you can love people for many different reasons. And I suppose every reason that you have within your heart and soul that you can love another human being, it's wonderful, it's, it's all good. But I want to tell you, you're really never going to be what God wants you to be. You will never experience the fullness of your life. You'll really never know the greatness of God's kingdom and what he's really got for you as an individual until you come to the place where you love people for the sake of God. Now, folks, that's the bedrock on which we build. Anything else is good, but it's not good enough. We do what we do because of our relationship with God. Jonah could never accept that. You see, yeah, I can't do this because of what God has done for me. I've got to have some kind of response out of these people that I'm trying to be involved in. And then when he got the response that he should have gotten from them, he rejected it. No wonder he was miserable. You see, the things that we do here and the things that you need to do in your life, you do the good that you do simply because your line is straight with God. And then, folks, you're in a position where you can proceed without halting and without dragging your feet and without stopping and starting again, you see. 
And then again, he was trying to always see how little he could do in every opportunity that he had. My, what a fantastic opportunity that this man had. What a privilege that God should call him as his prophet to start with. And then to say, I've got a special mission for you, and I want you to go down there and I want you to talk to the Ninevites. I have a special call for you. I want you to teach the Sunday school at church. I feel it deep within my heart. I know the devil didn't put it there, and so it has to come with the Holy Spirit. See what I'm saying? But you see, the tragedy of this man, he makes the same terrible blunder that is open, and you and I are prone to it today, and that is this, that when an opportunity comes to us to fulfill ourselves in the kingdom of God the way God has called us, what do we do? Do we say, now, let me see. I'm going to see how much time I can give to this. How much? Or do we see how little can I give to it and get by with it? comes an opportunity for us to express ourselves as stewards in the kingdom of God. And the church gives us a great opportunity to be stewards in his kingdom and to respond to him by giving our money to him. And then do we respond to God and say, well, Lord, I'm going to see how much I can give to you, or do we say, well, now, how little can I get by with? I want you to know that we do great things here in this church. I'm not talking about people across the street over here, not, not us. You know, somebody this morning gave me a check for $500 for the outdoor sanctuary out there. That's wonderful. Blessings be upon those who have an open hand when it comes to God. But you see, old Jonah, God love him. When he had this fantastic opportunity of God to do something fantastic, something wonderful, something beautiful, something to help a people, he wanted to see how little he could get by with. So he only had one sermon. But oh, what a sermon it was. He went through the city and he said to them, in effect, he says, in about three days, this thing is going to be burned up. About three days, you're going to be destroyed. And you know, the amazing thing was the people believed him and repented. But you would have thought, well, now that would have really turned him on. He would really got started by that. But it didn't. And so the, another thing I'd call to your attention, Jonah never had any enthusiasm about God's work. There wasn't anything that God could give him to do, call him to do, to be a part of, to respond to, that would spark one ounce of enthusiasm within his pitiful soul. No wonder he comes to the place, well, it's better for me to die. You know, if it had been me, it's a good thing I was God. I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't have any further need of you down here on this earth. You're right. Hang it up, brother. Come on. Lay down. Forget it. I'll call your soul. They can bury your body. I'll leave it there for whatever happens to take care of bodies in Nineveh. But you see, we have a merciful God. Oh, how many opportunities. How many chances. How many privileges does he give us and open these beautiful things for us here to be a part of his kingdom. I want to tell you something, dear friends, in your life, and I don't know your personal life, but I want to tell you, the God that we serve, if your eyes are open spiritually and you're down spiritually where you ought to be, that God is doing something for you daily. If you will only open your eyes and you will see something of the greatness of the opportunity that he's given to you to live. And sometimes these hard things that come to us in life seem so hard. They are the very things that God has given to us to open opportunities up to us that are absolutely breathtaking. Don't you be afraid of the hand of God. Don't you be afraid of the hand of God that leads you, dear friends, that leads you. Don't you be afraid 
Look at the situation, regardless of how hard, how difficult it is. Open your eyes. Look and see what God is working with in your life. And I'll tell you, he's doing something fantastic if you will only respond to it with a little enthusiasm. Make the most of the opportunity uh, that you have today. Make the most of it. You know, we think that the kingdom moves so slowly. And it does. And yet, most of us goof the opportunity that comes to us and it comes to us in situations where we don't want it to come to us. It doesn't come the right way. It doesn't look right. It's just not quite the thing that we want to be involved in. And so we think up a half a dozen different reasons or excuses why we don't want to be involved in life at this level within our life. And when he saw what God was doing, it made him mad. Well, how many of us get mad at life? You know, one of these days, dear friend, just as sure as I'm standing here, is how sure I am of what I'm going to say now, and that is that when these eyes of ours are open and we're able to see spiritually as God sees spiritually and has planned for us, we're going to see some of these things in life that come to us that make us so mad and upset us so. It's the very moment that God was trying to get in control of our life again. That's precisely the point of the book of Jonah. And I have lived long enough to know that this is a fact. It was while the Jewish people were going through some of their trials and tribulations that God was trying to figure out what to do with them, trying to get a hold of them, trying to get a hold of their heart, their mind, and their soul, and help them to see something of the greatness of the opportunity that they had in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, folks, whatever opportunity they had of long ago, it had been multiplied for you and for me today as we live this life right now. And then he says, and I stopped reading with that fifth verse, and you will read it. I'm reading for the revised translation. And he said he stuck around to see what would become of the city. Now you get a load of that. You want to know why he's miserable? Here he is, he goes out there on the east side of town and, and builds him a little place and gets him a stool and a chair and sits there and says, I'm going to stick around now, see what's going to happen. My work is done. You see what he's saying? I've done everything I'm going to do. Wouldn't it be wonderful? It's been through them. He's gone back in town and said, okay, people, let's get it together. We're getting things shaped up here. Now let's get on with the bill. Let's see what wonderful, great things that we can do. And let's transport this across the border into another town and another state and another country. And let us get on with the business of really being God's instrument here upon the face of the earth. No, he says, I'm finished. I've done my duty. I've done my work. And I'm going out here and I'm going to sit down. Now I'm going to see what you're going to do. Have you ever felt that way? How many of you really doing within your own spiritual life what you know you ought to do? Or how many of you, in effect, the Spirit have pulled up a, a stool, so to speak, and say, now I'm going to see what the Lord's up to. Stuck around just to see what's going to happen. I saw a picture here not too long ago, and it impressed me. I'd never seen anything like it before, but somewhere in Sweden, this person had been at a church, and it showed a picture of a big brass ring. I don't know how big it was. It may have only been that big, but it looked pretty good size in the picture. A big brass ring. And in the middle of that brass ring held by hand, that brass ring, uh, there was the crucifix, Jesus dying on the cross. And then the hand that was holding, there's the other hand pointing at the crucifix, nothing else. I would guess the one who cast that, the thing that he had or she had in mind when that was done, was you look in the center of this universe, and at the very center of it, and the very center of life, whatever that circle might stand for, it could stand for a lot of things, I don't know. 
At the very center of it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's right, the cross. At the very center of it. And folk, whatever we do, we can't forget that fact. And that is the fact that you and I need to build a life on. Or else we will come to the place exactly like poor old Jonah here. We will come to find life is just not worth living. Now in closing, you see Jonah rejected the hand that would lead him. He rejected it. All of these things that God had for Jonah to do, and Jonah didn't want to do them, so he rejected it. And he rejected the life that would mold him into the man that God wanted him to be and have him to be the man of destiny that God wanted him to be. But he rejected the hand and he rejected life. He didn't like what God had done and he didn't like what God was doing. Folks, when that happens, whether it be Jonah or whether it be in your situation or mine, we too will come to a place where we know complete frustration and we too will know what it is to come to the place where we will think about life is not worth the effort to live. Today, you choose. Which will it be? Oh, our Father, may this man of long ago speak to our heart and our soul today, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 